0: Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of Scroll Ideas. By now, you guys know the drill. For the next one hour, we'll be debating and discussing an idea that Indians are particularly taken up by. And we'll be doing it with a brainy guest who will help us break down the concepts involved. For this episode, I have with me uh, Nalan Mehta. Uh, Nalan wears uh, many, many hats. He's one of the polymaths we get on Scroll Letters once in a while to make you feel a bit bad about your life. Uh, he's the dean of a media school. He started universities. He's worked as a journalist in print and TV. He's also authored multiple books uh, on topics as varied as uh, media studies, sports, and politics. And it's the last uh, and final bit that we'll be discussing on this episode. Uh, Nalan's written a book called The New BJP, which charts, breaks down, and explains the rise of Modi's BJP, the post 2014 BJP. Uh, which, uh, as we all know, is the central pole of Indian politics. It's, it's almost a juggernaut. It's winning election after election, and Nalin tries to break this down using uh, both quantitative and qualitative uh, research. Hi, Nalin, welcome to Scroll Ideas. Very pleased to have you.
1: Thanks very much, Joy, and thanks for that very generous introduction. Uh, delighted to be here on Scroll, and hopefully we can deep dive into some of these ideas and. Uh, because it's something which is very central to all our lives, whether we like BJP or don't like it or, or agnostic to it, I think it affects all of us uh, politics. So, uh, looking forward to a good chat.
0: Right. Let's just dive right into it. The, one of the, one of the main theses of your book is that, uh, the BJP throughout his life has been, most of his life has been known as a Brahmin Banya party, has been known as an upper caste party, but you're arguing that the BJP as it exists today, does not fit that description. In fact, you write that the charge of upper caste domination is difficult to make with such electoral representation. You argue that the BJP gives other backward castes and Dalits a fair bit of representation. Break this down for us. Why do you think that's the case? Oh,
1: well, absolutely, uh, Shoeb. I think uh, the BJP and its predecessor, the Jansang, which was formed in 1951, um, both of them were, uh, and uh, both Jansang and what I call the old BJP, which was uh, from 1980 uh, to about 2014 um, uh, in that form. Uh, and that BJP was basically the uh, Vajpayee Advani BJP. Um, that was fundamentally a brahmin baniya party, as you pointed out. It was fundamentally an urban party. Uh, it never struck roots, uh, except in some areas, in rural areas. Um, uh, this BJP, the new BJP, which I think... Uh, Uh, To put it bluntly, Narendra Modi uh, crafted um, and which we've seen the electoral advances it's made post 2014 onwards, which continued in 2019, continued in multiple state elections in different geographies and so on. So so this BJP has lost more elections than it has won. um, Sorry, it has has won more elections than it has lost since 2014, both at the central and state level, or done better in, in those elections compared to before. Now, why that has happened? is because, and that's the question I was trying to answer that, look, whether you like, support, hate BJP, something is fundamentally shifting in our politics. And why is that happening? Why are these guys winning? Now, there are multiple reasons for their electoral advances. One of them, and one of the key ones is that the basic DNA of the BJP has changed. Um, And this old BJP from being urban, bania, bania, brahmin, upper caste has become a totally different animal post-2014 as the new BJP. Now, why do I say that? Now, this flies in the face of all conventional understanding, all academic frameworks, and what uh, most people who studied politics in India basically argued. I'll give you an example. Christoph Jafferloff, for example, has argued, um, pre- preeminent scholar of Hindu nationalism, um, the Ashoka University Center, um, uh, Trivedi Center, for example, uh, which, which, which Gilles Vernier runs, these all, uh, a lot of the data they produced they, that basically sh- continued to show that um, um, the BGP remained an upper caste party and they looked essentially at parliamentarians. What we were doing essentially was that um, now when I was traveling as a journalist, I was finding on the ground that a lot of things were shifting. Uh, but that was anecdotal. You know, you uh, you can't look at structural things purely based on, oh, I went here and I heard somebody telling me this. Well, that may be for that we have to put the context. So what we did was, uh, um, Shoaib, that we created something called the Mehta Singh Index. What that meant was that we studied uh, in UP. We looked at UP and we studied uh, 4,400 politicians across four parties, uh, BJP, Samajwadi Party, uh, Congress and BSP over a 30 plus year period from 1990 to 2019 and we looked at different metrics. We looked at Lok Sabha candidates of these parties, we looked at Vidhan Sabha candidates, we looked at um, the, uh, the people who became ministers in different parties, we looked at uh, 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 party office bureaus um, and we looked at district level uh, party politics as well to give a holistic understanding of the social metric uh, of who is it uh, who, is, who is the politician in these parties. Right. And now, just to, before I tell you what we found in that, now, uh, you know, I was saying that the dominant paradigm was it's an upper caste party. And that it was. Um, now, just to give you the context, there were two poles of this debate, right. Uh, when I started looking at this, in fact, I had no intention of looking at this very closely because um, I also thought that it was an upper caste party when I started doing this research. So the two poles that started off this debate was that Jaffer Law, who's at Siense Po, for example, I'm a very eminent scholar, he argued that the BJP's triumph in 2014 and even more so in 2019 was fundamentally a revenge of the upper caste elites. That the BJP became the behemoth that it did because the upper caste somehow led some kind of a a grand revolution and and, and they basically put everybody down and that is what explains this. Um, To simplify a complex point they make, but that's basically the point. Um, Narendra Modi, in uh sometime in uh, uh, last year, gave a speech to his uh, parliamentary party where he gave exactly the opposite figures. Uh, uh, because when Jafferullah made the argument, he had certain figures of, of, of the social composition of parliamentarians of the BGP. And he made it based on that. It wasn't just out, out of thin air. It was based on data they had collected. Modi, on the other hand, gave opposite numbers. Modi said that 68.9% of BJP's MPs elected in 2019 were either OBC, or scheduled caste or scheduled tribe, Uh, roughly around 113 out of the 303 uh, uh, MPs that got elected in 2019 for the BJP, right? If you take out those who got elected from reserved seats for scheduled caste or scheduled tribes, even then roughly about 60% of the BJP's MPs were still from these categories. Now if if that is right, then the charge of upper caste bias does not exist, I mean, then it just doesn't make sense. So, what I was, the reason why I jumped into this was I was studying this phenomenon and I saw this claim by Modi on one side, and then from the dominant academic paradigm on the other side, both of them didn't square. Either one, one of them was wrong. Now, there was no way to check who was, uh, what, the only way to check it was to look at the data afresh because uh, the Ashoka data wasn't available publicly in the public domain, only the results were and and modi's point also was that he had made the analysis and announced it in a public speech so what we did was we said look let's step away from this let's take a fresh revisionist look at this and members of parliament are not enough let's look at all structures of representation mps mlas ticket ticket uh, ministers all of that and this is what we did when we created this we, what we found was and like i said in the mehta singh index over a, which I, which sanjeev singh my colleague um and a number of people were involved in this um what we found was, at a macro level, that in the BJP's, to give you a snapshot, in the BJP's Lok Sabha candidates in UP, this was specific to UP in 2019, um, OBC's and cars together accounted for 57.5% of the BJP's candidates in UP. And BJP swept UP, huh? so these weren't just yeah. ticks in boxes, these were winning candidates, most yeah. of them. Um, these weren't just something to fill a representation quota. Right, um, um, that was 57.5 percent. The same category, OBC and SCs. When you look at the Vidhan Sabha candidates fielded by BJP in 2017 in UP, an election again which it swept, um, 52.8 percent. Um, you look at the office bearers of the BJP, it was around, it, it was not around, it was exactly 50 percent. Then we looked at the um, uh, Yogi Atanath when he became chief minister in 2017 after they swept the election. Um, right. We looked at his council of ministers and we compared it with other parties. Um, of course, there was a charge of Thakur dominance on Yogi Adityanath. Uh, there was a whole thing around that Hai. So what I found fascinating, I mean, I, I couldn't believe the data when I first saw it. Because we, and we checked it five times or t- multiple times to make sure we weren't making mistakes. But I couldn't believe it was that in his council of ministers, 48.1% of ministers were either OBC or SC. And when you looked at Thakurs and Brahmins, OBCs were more than Brahmin's or Thakur's. And then, uh, interestingly, it's not just uh, com- that the comp- relative composition to each other. When we compared with Akhilesh Yadav's previous government, and Akhilesh Yadav's Samajwadi party was the party of the OBCs. There were more OBCs in the BJP government than they were in Akhilesh Yadav's government. In fact, right. there were more Thakur's in Akhilesh Yadav than they were in A- Yogyayatanaat's uh, uh, government. And the difference was that in the Akhilesh government Yadav's… government cabinet, the, the council of ministers. <laughs> I meant council of ministers. Right,
0: right, got
1: it. We looked at both. We looked at cabinet council ministers. The right. proportions were roughly similar. And what right. I mean to say was that the difference was, you know, there are OBCs and there are OBCs. The difference was that in the case of Akhilesh Yadav, um, uh, the, um, the all but one of the OBC ministers was the was the Yadav. Right. Only one was a non-Yadav OBC among ministers. In the case of Yogi Adityanath. Almost every, all but one, or, or in fact, it's, a, it's a, almost every single minister was a non Yadav OBC. So that was a difference. So the BJP essentially was driven by non Yadav OBCs and non Jatav Dalits, which is basically right. what happened. I mean, and it's the same thing. Uh, well, then, when we looked at district president, district presidents, there were these categories. OBC plus SC was around 35.6 percent. I mean, there are 98 district presidents of the BJP and UP. UP doesn't have 98 district, but BJP has more than one president in several districts. That's okay. why 98. And there, uh, again, it was at a lesser percent, but that you could see this shift happening. Now, the thing was that at every level, parliament, Vidhan Sabha, office bearers, um, uh, council of ministers, district level a district level to a lesser extent, you were finding the similar percentages of these categories. So that was not just an accident. It was part of a concerted strategy to bring more people into your tent, people who never voted for you before in these numbers. Right. Right. Um, And by the way, this was not just at this was just the apex of the pyramid. Right. Then we even at the ground level, the BJP set up booth level committees and they put in reservations for women. Um, at the booth level so uh, a 21 member karyakarni hoti district level pe so in up for example they put in put aside x number of seats for scs and obcs um uh, x number of 5 out of 21 in every dist- in every booth level district level and so on was for women so many of them originally of course were uh, किसी किसी yeah. हो हो इस, BJP so, gradually they built that. So the social composition changed. The, the long and short of it was, um, show if that, the data showed us that the BJP from 2014 to 2019, um, hmm. and the book is it looked at data in that 5 year period, Became in UP the most socially representative party by caste compared to every other party fighting that election, barring Muslims. And that is an important point to make. Right. Um, and we'll come to that. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so, in comparison to every other party, it was more representative. And in comparison to what the pre 2014 BJP was, the, the shift was at two levels. Right? right. What was interesting was that now these changes were not reversible. I mean, they could have. Reversed, right? I mean, because, for example, in the 2022 UP election, you saw many of these OBC ministers defected. Some of them went back before the, in the run up to the election. Yeah. So, a lot of people felt that the social coalition is breaking down. Hmm. But but did you give them samman? Did you give them enough space? So, right. it could have been reversed, especially because you now spent five years in power under Yogi Ayatana. But what the result showed us was that. The people who defected back from these OBC leaders, most of them lost their own seats. And BJP won in those seats with OBC support only. In fact, the Mm -hmm. changes that drove the BJP's advances in 14, 17 and 19, instead of reversing, they had taken far deeper route. And that's what 2022 election showed us. And this reflected in the voter result as well. If you see the CSDS survey… Uh, and you see the access by my India poll survey. CSDS has been tracking data, election data for, for a very, very long time. The CSDS right. data shows that absolutely that this, what I'm sh- saying in the political representation of the BGP structures that reflected directly in how voters voted in UP as well. Sure. What do you think is
0: driving this from the ground? Is it uh, so For 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 just give us an example. So say, you have a non Yadav OBC, right? Hmm. Uh, what's What's driving him to suddenly say leave? Maybe he was voting for Akhilesh earlier, and now he's hmm. voting for the BJP. Is it because now there is a person from his caste uh, who's a Padag adhikari at the district level? Is it is he is he getting better welfare? Is it a combination? What's 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 you've given the top down, but what's the bottom up? What, what's making this man change yeah. his vote?
1: So, um, you know, I went to a lot of villages and spoke to a lot of people on this uh, across party lines, um, right. uh, including to uh, uh, to many people who just can't stand the BJP. Um, and um, I think there are two or three things. See, there was a caste representation is not a new thing. You know, everybody, all parties have experimented with social engineering. Right. Um, from the time of the Ram Temple uh, movement, there has been this the, these two great paradigms that dominated in politics, right? I mean, Mandal versus Kamandal, right? Um, so right, and so on and so forth. There was an older model. The Congress used to be this tent, which which also included Muslims, of course, uh, which right. was basically a party for everybody. Everybody was, that whole social coalition with all its contradictions was inside the Congress tent. Um, but that model, with the BGP also, it's not like OBCs did not vote for BGP earlier. They did, but in much lesser numbers. After all, the first uh, uh, BJP chief minister in UP, Kalyan Singh, under mm. whose mm. regime, uh, when he was chief minister, the Bhavri was demolished. He was an OBC. Kalyan Singh. Right? So, I'm not saying that… In fact, I would say even, even the Ram
0: Janmabhoomi movement had a fair bit of OBC uh, right. representation, right. Which, if I'm not wrong. The,
1: the difference was the BJP never won majorities earlier. It didn't have that kind of massive support. It had certain right. sections of the OBCs certain uh, uh, which came and then went certain sections right. so much lesser extent of scheduled caste and largely upper cast so what has happened is right. the upper cast remained with the bjp or with that strengthened see uh, that model was a totem pole kind of model that you have a kalyan singh or you have a, a dalit leader who you right. think that because that person is from that community therefore a significant proportion of that community will come with you it is kind of like what jignan ram was for for Um, Congress Congress and so on. What has shifted, uh, uh, I think, on the ground is, firstly, the Mandal parties or the post-Mandal parties, which is basically BSP and Savajwadi party in um, uh, um, UP and RJD in Bihar, among others. Um, um, And to to name just uh, two or three of them, Mm -hmm. um, fundamentally, they became caste-based parties. They were the parties of social reform. That's how they were born. They were Lohiite parties, right. Uh, uh, right? At least, at least the Samajwadi Party was. Kashi Ram began by talking about OBC and SC unity in the beginning, um, but then they became fundamentally the OBC party. Fund, uh, the the Samajwadi Party fundly, fundamentally became an Ahir party. It became a party of Yadavs. Um, right. uh, the Mayavadis party fundamentally became a party of Jatavs. Now there are there are 70 plus OBC uh, um, uh, the the UP uh, state list of OBCs, list 70 plus castes as OBCs. Now, if most of the positions of power and pelf are, are occupied by Yadavs, others have been, are there, but they're not getting much of the spoils of power or anything. What the BJP did, I mean, and this is, I think, what the difference was. The BJP knew that the Yadav is not going to shift. Fundamentally, most Yadavs are not going to shift. Or most Yadavs will not shift. So, what they did was, they focused on non-Yadavs and, non, uh, uh, and, and non-Yadavs. And they basically said, what did so that's what I was saying. The BJP, this was this didn't happen in isolation. They did a massive cadre building uh, exercise at the ground level, like I was saying at the district level. At right. booth level of, of bodies were made above the booth level at the district level and so on, and going up the pyramid. Each of these bodies was a 20-member mem, one one-member body. And there they gave reservation and they started reaching out. See, a lot of people say uh, one of the big critics of the BJP by people who don't like it, is that an election machine. Hai. People think they just do election buzzy, right? I mean, this machine gets activated, they win the election, and then rest is all nothing. People are not automatons. You can't just turn on a machine like that. You can't just say, well, if I am a. uh, It's very difficult to get people to vote. After all, your core vote of Indutva has not increased. There are many other voters who are coming in who will leave you also if if tomorrow if if things change. So, what I'm saying is that that's one. So, I'll give you an example. In Pili Beat, Um, I was traveling in Pilibhit, and in Pilibhit, the the Samajwadi Party sacked its the president, the district president, sometime uh-huh. around, uh, sometime before 2019, who was not a Yadav, and a Yadav, a Yadav leader was made the president or the district uh-huh. president. Next day, the guy who was sacked moved to BJP, and he said, "This is a Yadavogi party." Hai. Now the point right. is that see people see this in just if you make a change it only at one metric that's not because people see everything on balance you see who's the MLA who's the MP ticket who is getting who is so you see the overall thing and overall the thing shifted Narendra Modi himself is an OBC he became an right. OBC he was not an OBC by birth he became an OBC after the OBC list was changed right. uh, um, long before he became Gujarat Chief Minister right um, the, the, the 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 if you look at uh, even now even today. If you look at the current Council of Ministers of Narendra Modi, about 60% are again SC, ST and OBC. Uh, in Rupi, right. STs don't matter. I mean, a very small flow. There's only one ST reserved seat. But at the, at the Council of Ministers level, at the national level, that has changed. So I think, see, um, Govindacharya, the great ideologue of the BJP in the 90s, um, had said that ko agar aage hai, apna charitra aur badalna padega. This post-25 put in what I call the new BGP, the ideology has not changed, ideology is the same as what it was.
0: Uh, The examples that you laid out for us, Nalin, from the PDB example, uh, there is this complex matrix of political representation. So you said when a a non-Yadav was replaced by Yadav that led to a revolt. Uh, Explain to us what is so important about this political representation. This is like a huge, huge, huge thing because there are hundreds of castes in UP. Uh, What changes say for a PAL if he has a PAL uh, district president? How how does his life change?
1: So I think, um, see, I think we have to absolutely remember that the states we're talking about, the, the BJP's uh, for the fulcrum of the BJP's growth is in the Hindi heartland, right? Um, uh, Ten plus Hindi-speaking states, uh, and within that, it's you take out UP and Bihar, and it's a very different BJP, uh, uh, right? So, um, and all of these states, uh, and in Hindi heartland in general, is is basically, if you compare it to south of the Indias or uh, or the West India, it's really underdeveloped. Uh, it's like different yeah. continents altogether. So, in a, in the context of a state where historically people have had great deprivation, when you really haven't had, um, you know, the kind of things that animate us so much on Twitter, the kind of debates about the idea of India, uh, secularism versus communalism, the things that matter to um, to liberals, to academics, to thinkers, to intellectuals, many of these things on the ground. Have far, I mean, these are really important ideas, and then they matter a great deal. But what I'm saying is, when you are struggling for your next roti, then then those things become more important than um, abstract ideas. And in that context, why does why does India have such high voting rates? Because for most people, uh, compared to the U.S., for example. Um, yeah. um, in the U.S., the poor don't don't vote to, to the extent that they do in India. In India, elections are largely about uh, urban middle classes being re- irrelevant. They're really about the poor and rural India. That is because to those people, to the vast majority of Indians, who comes into power as a direct bearing on their day-to-day life. It has a direct bearing whether they will get an electricity connection which is working, whether they'll get a gas cylinder or not, right? So uh, for their livelihoods. And in that, the point I want to make is that representation is one part of the picture. But I don't think we can right. understand this balance set without seeing it in totality. There are multiple right. reasons why the BJP grew the way it did. A significant part of it is the creation of a new kind of a social welfare state, which was... Um, and what do I mean by that? It was powered by uh, direct benefit transfers, the coming together of new technologies, of the, of the mobile phone revolution in India, uh, which right. happened post-2015, which came after Jio. Uh, the, the, the boom in cheap data, India is the cheapest. It, India has the highest per capita consumption rates on data compared to, to North America and Europe and the cheapest data. Uh, now, what that allowed you to do is created a new public. Uh, if you look at Google Trends now, uh, uh, 90% of Google consumption is in uh, non-English. Uh, actually, more than much more than 90, 90%. Significant part of it is voice search. And most of it is coming from rural India and from tier 3 towns, not from urban India. Right? now, what does this mean? See what, um, it's not like the BJP created new technology. Much of this architecture was laid out by Manmohan Singh. What do I mean by this? See, every government spends money on welfare. It's not like a Yadav didn't spend, spend money on welfare, on, on building roads, on bridges, uh, on flyovers. In fact, every time BJP does something, Yadav says, credit. Le right. right? So, one of the things that I learned in my travels was, Nobody, you to vote. vote. But you give yeah. somebody money, 2000 rupees in their pocket. It directly comes to them. That has a huge impact. It makes a big difference. Right. Yeah. So, so um, what happened? Look, I'll give you some context with numbers. Direct benefit transfers was not something that was started by the BGP. It was Mohan Singh's idea. The Aadhaar was ceded by the UPA government. Nandan Nilikani was brought out of emphasis. He became yeah. the head of the, uh, of the uh, UAIDI. When they tried direct benefit transfers, they tried it in uh, the first pilot project was rolled out in about fifty-eight districts uh, across India, um, uh, around from the first of January, twenty thirteen, uh, right. and it, the pilot happened for seven or eight months. By the time the, uh, by the time uh, they realized it was, it, there was a lot of problems on the ground. So by the time they tried, they fixed it. The UPA lost power, Modi comes to power uh, in twenty fourteen, and by the way, a- Aadhaar had so many debates within UPA, between Chidambaram and Pranam Mukherjee. Ultimately, it was enabled by the judgment of the Supreme Court, right? So, right. so what happened was, was rolled out as, as, a, as an outcome. Much of the debate was around privacy and things like that. But the, it had a huge impact on the social welfare architecture. So Modi, by the way, had opposed it. Modi's genius was that when he becomes Prime Minister, uh, he has a meeting with Nandan Nilekani on a topic which he had opposed as Chief Minister of Gujarat. And... He then decides to back Aadhaar as well as its usage of that and the mobile phone with the state's social welfare delivery mechanism for direct benefit transfers. And he gives it full political backing. Now, here are some numbers for context. In 2013-14, 28 Government of India schemes were part of the DBT architecture. In 2018-19, that number went up by 15 times to 434 schemes. What does it mean in terms of Hmm. money? Um, In 2013-14, and 2013-14 includes the Manmohan Singh period, uh, half of it, and some part of the Modi period. Um, 2013-14, in terms of money, 7,367 crore was spent um, in direct benefit transfers. By 2018-19, that had gone up by 29 times to 2.14 lakh crore. What does it mean in terms of the people who benefited? Uh, in terms of beneficiaries, what the BJP calls labhartis, That's the term that came mm. to the political lexicon after they started. There were 10.8 crore labhartis beneficiaries in 2013-14. By 2018-19, that had gone up to 76.3 crore beneficiaries. And if you add, um, th- these were direct cash benefits which people got. If you add in-kind benefits, the growth was over 44 times. Right? right. Uh, now, what does this mean beyond the numbers? PM Kisan. Uh, PM Kisan is basically what that farmers get two to three thousand rupees in their pocket three four times in a year. That was not invented by the BJP. It started first originally by TRS in October 2018 Telanggan. by the Rayudu Bandhu scheme in Telangana. Right. It worked. They came back to par. It was a very important right. part. So the, then it it was scaled up as PM Kisan before the 2019 election, right? Wow. Uh, it, it helped the BJP overcome many of the issues around farmers. I went to a village uh, in Saharanpur, um, near the Shakumbari Devi temple. That's the temple around from where yoga Aitranath started his campaign. Um, right. And this was a, you know, I met a Sarpanch who um, was with the Samajwadi party. Um, and I asked him, Ki, bhai, what does, how these schemes made a difference to your life? Aan, he said, imagine how much money... Has, he, and he said, the main difference is uh, PM Avas Yojana or Swachh Bharat. Ka. So I said, how? He said, guess how much money has come into my village? He said, all government schemes are done through the Sarpanch. So he said, look, all in right. the last five years, uh, I have spent about 50 lakh, roughly, um, through various schemes. But on PM Avas and Swachh Bharat alone, 5 crores has come gone through me. And these schemes did not exist earlier. Now, right. and a lot of the debate around Swachh Bharat, for example, was about whether India is 100% open defecation free or not, right? And and whether it's, you go to any village, you'll always find somebody defecating somewhere, right? Whether it is 95%, 96%, the whole debate has been around perfect it's perfect. The government claims 100% defecation. But the real shift in Swachh Bharat was not in public toilet. It was in private toilets. Because right. the issue was that women do not have toilets. They go to the fields, they get molested, a whole bunch of other things happen, safety hazard and so on. Imagine how many toilets were built in a five-year period. In um, in, uh, in UP alone, 17.1 million toilets were built between fourteen fifteen 15 to 2018 19. They were part of the total 23.8 million toilets in UP. Uh, 17.1 million toilets, personal toilets were built there. 164.1 million toilets were built nationally. What does that mean? See, the state was not building these toilets. It meant was, I am a beneficiary. If I meet that guideline, I will get 12,000 rupees in my account. I'll first get 10,000 rupees and I will build it. Then I show some photos. They have to be geotagged. Uh, you can see the CMS. I've seen some of those systems. It's proven that you built it something. Then you get the next tranche. More than that, in PM Avas Yojana, and this is revolutionary, PM Avaz Yojana was not again a new. See, one of the big critique of the Modi government has been by the opposition. You changed the name and you marketed it better. So, what was the great idea you built? So, it's basically just marketing. If Just looking at these two schemes, um Swachh Bharat and PM Avaz Yojana, there was an earlier toilet scheme. Yes, the name was changed. But what was different was this direct benefit transfer thing. Uh, the right. money is now coming to the person. Same with PM Avas. And I, I think this is important to understand this. There was an Indira Avas Yojana that started in the late 80s. That has been on for perpetuity. Um, they built many houses. What used to happen with those houses often was the state built them. They built them in this often. In uh, Firstly, there was more corruption. Secondly, it was in an area where if I have a maid who's living in my house, you suddenly tell her, now she, her husband is maybe an auto driver. Her kids are going to a school here. She has an ecosystem here. She will not go there. What has changed with PM Avadi is that the state is not building that house for you. St- you are eligible yeah. if you are below the below poverty line. You don't have a pakka house. You are eligible. Somebody verifies based on the SCs, based on the socio economic census. You are verified. You are right. eligible or not. You get one point two lakh rupees in your account. One um, and When you get that money in your account, you build the house yourself. Again, you get one tranche, it's verified, all that, you get the next one. But the biggest change that happened in the PM Avaz Yojana was the state said, and there was a PM Avas Yojana Urban and there was a PM Avaz Yojana Grameen. And they said, we will prefer if you give it to women. 68, 17.1 million houses were were sanctioned between 2013, 14 and 2018-19. And can I tell you that? 68% 68% of these were either in the names of women alone or in the names of women jointly with their husbands. But We are a deeply patriarchal country. In this country, women did not have inheritance rights to the parental property until the early 2000s. Right. If my sister and I, our parents had died, my sister does not, did not have the right to inherit that unless my father willed it to her. That changed only in the early 2000s. But... Only for people whose parents died from that point onwards, not before that. Only in 2019, uh, um, in August, the Supreme Court of India, sorry, in 2020, in, the Supreme Court of India said, this right now extends back in perpetuity. Even no matter when your father died, both siblings, siblings respective of gender, will have right to parental property. In such a country, if, six, if 11 million women get a house and 11, and one more than 1.2 lakh rupees in their account because they are the official uh, beneficiary of that and not their husband, um, that is revolutionary because these are not rural women. Many of these women will at least vote for BJP once.
0: Right. So this is almost like it's a. I think uh, it's it's a, it's a philosophy. I think Arvind Superman has called a new welfareism, where uh, basically it's not only really DBT, but even when the BJP gives goods in kind. It's basically a private countable good, right? Like you'll get a house, you'll get a cylinder, you'll get a
1: toilet, absolutely. like it's something that it's you privately own practically, right? Um, absolutely, up sure. And show me sure, sure, there's something more. There is a cultural and social power dynamic involved. It's not just about the money. And and you know, there's right. something I learned when I went to the villages that see, pahle kya ta? nariga again, Nariga Modi didn't start. Uh, BJ, uh, Congress started it. Nariga mein kya tha? It was a great idea. But what was happening was let say there are 500 people in a village. Now I am the Sarpanch. I am showing there are 800 people. So firstly, I am taking right. 300 people's money and pocketing. On top of that, the remaining 500, even though I am giving the money to them, I am taking a cut. To get the money, I right. am taking a 10%, 20%, 30% cut. I only realized this when I went to a couple of villages when this guy said, Ki, dekhi, ab, this Sarpanch told me, he said, dekhi, sahab, aisa hai. Firstly, I can't now fudge the numbers beyond a the point. There's some fudging that happens, but that percentage has come down drastically. Secondly, right. the power equation now now the money is not coming through me. It is going directly into that person's account through their mobile phone. Now, does it mean that I don't get a cut? I still get a cut because today I sanction a, a Swachh Bharat toilet or whether a PM Awas Yojna's house or about Nariga, the money will come directly to the person. Hmm. But the, with who's eligible to get it is still decided by the sarpanch. So, therefore, the Sarpanch will still demand a cut. Ki, I have given you sanction today. But for your next scheme of eligibility, you know, you still have to come to me. So, you still give me a cut. But now the money is with that guy. So, now, hai paise. So now the power equation has shifted suddenly. So, right. the guy is giving a much lower cut. And that hmm. change changes the whole change. That change is a great deal. So, in fact, uh, one of the, uh, in, in one of the villages, in fact, there's a senior editor who told me, he said, he was traveling in 2019 through a village. The, and he saw that there was huge crowds on the, on the village. And he thought he could festival. Chal raha. So he stopped and he and he wanted to know which festival is this because there was no public holiday on that day. And the whole village was out. It was like a fair, it was like a annual village fair atmosphere. So he asked them. Ki, kya hai? So then he realized somebody told him that that day, the first installment of the PM Kisan Yojana money had come in in that village. Right. And that had led to that celebration. Now, this didn't happen. This may be just an isolated incident in that village, but it kind of gave you a sense of. You know, you put direct money in somebody's pocket, even if it's a small amount of money, it changes something. And this was the thing. Right. And now, does everybody get a house? No. There was an example quoted in the book of a cobbler who was a, from the uh, one of the uh, scheduled cast. Uh, it was a Valmiki. So this guy went and asked him. They were doing a survey. A survey, they asked him, Ki, bhai, who?" and this guy was a BSP voter. Huh? He had voted right. BSP for 30 years. So this guy asked him, he said he mila. So the guy said, then obviously, you know, you didn't get it, right? So how it mm. a difference Right. So so a lot of voters who who started quest who were identity politics with SP Basapa. A lot of people now there is the a core never would never leave you, right? I mean, today, even, even today, the uh, SAPA has over 30-35% roughly vote in 2020, right. showed us that. Right. SAPA still has 16-17% vote, which is the core Valmiki vote. That's not leaving, but the others who were not part of the power structure there from the non-Jatav or the non-Yadavs they started saying, Okay, but suddenly I'm getting something here, I'm ne- neither getting political representation there nor am I getting money in my hand. Or relatively, I'm getting more here now and I'm getting more representation here, why would I not switch?
0: Right. So Nalin, you've, uh, uh, there's something that you have laid out in your book that the BJP is an extremely representative party, except Muslims. It's a, it's a, it's a minus 20 formula in, in UP. It goes into bat thinking that it's not going to get 20% of the votes. Uh, and that was then. Uh, except, uh, so I want you to break that down for us. Uh, but I also want you to uh, update this because of late, uh, Adityanath has been sending out feelers. Mr. Modi has been sending out feelers to Pasmanda Muslims, which is basically backward caste Muslims. So the BJP, it would seem like right now, is trying to replicate what you described is done for backward caste Hindus, and to try and put in a politics of backward caste Muslim identity uh, and. Maybe possibly woo some votes. Mr. BGP had mentioned that uh, in the National Convention in Hyderabad. A couple of things strike out for me for there. One contradiction, of course, is that the BGP's core plank is Hindutva. Now, I'm not sure how a core Hindutva voter would take to the wooing of any Muslims, whether they be Ashrafs or Pasmanda. The other counter, the other, the, the other side of the coin, of course, is that uh, Pasmanda Muslims. Are very often victims of communal violence. For example, the, the bulldozing that happened of houses was very often, I think, largely Pasmanda Muslim. Muslims, of course, are the vast majority of Indian Muslims. I'm not sure we have an exact number because I don't think Indian Muslim caste is measured, but there's no doubt that since they're the native Muslims, they'd, be, they'd, they'd vastly outnumber upper caste. So it's, 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 it's on paper, it's a great strategy, but how do you think it'll go out? How do you think it'll work out on the ground?
1: Um, great question. i sure. Thanks for that. Um, I think, and I do want to, I think it's an important point to speak about, um, as, as, like I said, um, the, um, see, uh, historically, uh, the BJP BJ, I mean, there's no question about the BJP's ideology, right? I mean, uh, the core BJP voter has been the Hindutva voter, which is roughly 17-18% of, of, uh, of the vote. Um, and then, then it's built this coalition, which brings it the other voters, um, many of them are floating voters. Some of them are now becoming more permanent voters who come into the BJP for reasons other than Indutra, right? right? Now, the Muslims, if you look at any election data, it shows you that Muslims have not been voting for the BJP and uh, um, it's been negligible proportions. Now, uh, this fault line has been at the center of, um, uh, has been a key fault line for the BJP from the time of its inception. Uh, from the during the Johnson days, uh, and from 1980 onwards, uh, as well. So uh, a big deal was made about, for example, the fact, um, the symbolism of the fact that the BJP in 20 uh, um, in the 2017 UP assembly elections did not put up a single Muslim candidate in a state right. where Muslims are a significant number. Um, uh, if you do not put up a single Muslim candidate in India's most populous state, what does that mean? Uh, this, uh, in 2019, in the Lok Sabha election, the BJP did not put up a Muslim candidate in UP out of the 80 Lok Sabha seats. Although it did put up Muslim candidates, uh, four or five, in other states. Now, um, if from a real politic point of view, and I'll come to the ideological point and the implication of this in a couple of minutes. But from a real politic point of view, uh, the BJP's campaign managers fundamentally calculated that this was not such a huge change for one reason. That, if you look at the U, I, I tracked um, UP candidates fielded by BJP from 1991 in the Lok Sabha to 2019. Uh, right. And the BJP always only had a token 1 or 2 candidates. It never had more than 1 or 2 candidates. So I'll give you some example. 1991, 0 Muslim candidates um, in UP. 1996, 0. These were the years when the BJP became Moved to being the single largest party in the country and largely driven by UP. 1998, one. 1991, one. These are the Vajpayee years, remember. Uh, 2004, two. 2009, one. 2014, one. 2019, zero. So what it did was it did away with the tokenism, right? Because the calculation was Muslims are not going to vote for us anyway. Why have the tokenism? In right. lieu of that, what they did was both at the central. Um, level and at the state level and here i at state level I mean Yugi Aithinath's uh government now um and I mean Modi's government at central level what they did was they they um, um appointed a minister each so Mukhtar Abbas Naqvi was made a minister uh at the central level now he is uh, his term is over he's just resigned um um uh, there's a minister in Yogi Adityanath's government uh who's minister minister for minority welfare who's a pasmanda and that takes us to the other point that you raised yeah. the and uh, before I get to the Pasmanda point, I think what is striking to me is that there are several Muslim seats. Seats, uh, um, Muslim, Muslim seats are slightly misleading. What I mean to say seats where Muslims are dominant and are therefore decisive or what traditionally considered decisive factors in that election. So the idea was that no matter what your ideology, the traditional conventional wisdom was if you do not have even some part of the Muslim vote, you cannot win. Right. What the BJP has done is to demolish that that idea, because if including in Muslim seats. So I looked at Muslim seats very closely, or Muslim dominant seats is a more accurate term. And mm. I, seats, and I defined Muslim dominant seats as seats where Muslims are more than 30 percent of the vote in UP. And what we find is that in 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 these Muslim dominant or Muslim significant seats, we find that the BJP was started winning a majority of these seats from 2014 onwards, um, in UP. This is not because Muslims were voting for BJP, of course not. This is because of polarization. So what was happening was that in these seats, typically, um, the opposition parties would put up one, two, three candidates. Uh, Most of them would be Muslim candidates. The Muslims vote gets split, the BJP puts up a Hindu candidate. Um, And the Hindu vote, which traditionally was divided around caste, gets polarized and it becomes a hindu muslim contest and the hindu candidate wins you look at um, many significant muslim significant seats in up and this is a trend that has been constant since 2014 so polarization electorally helps the bjp right now uh, is that something which is a good thing is that some, what does it mean for uh, for uh, 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 for democracy for other things for representation uh, we've just had the first tribal woman president Been elected and there is and there is a huge deal to be said for that. I think it's a great moment um, in in the history of the Republic. Um, What about Muslim representation? Now, uh, that's an important question. Um, I think um, how the BJP deals with this going forward is one of the key challenges for the BJP. See, the BJP has now reached up till this point. Um, Now, how does it sustain this? It has replaced the Congress as the primary pole of our polity. Now, How do you sustain this? And then how do you answer questions? For example, just now, uh, we've seen the controversy around Nupur Sharma, around the uh, the Prophet. We've seen the response from Islamic countries, several Islamic countries. We've seen Nupur Sharma being suspended. We saw the whole thing around the Gyanwapi Mosque, on the Mathura Mosque. uh, And then the RSS chief coming out and trying to dampen uh, temperatures. After that, we saw what happened in Ramnami. One of the big challenges for the BJP, in the book, I've listed five challenges at the end um, going forward. One of them, uh, um, and we can come to that later, but one of them is how it deals with the Hindu Muslim question going forward, Be, right. being it's being the party in power uh, brings with it other exigencies, being the party in power um, uh, brings with it other responsibilities. Um, so now uh, on the question of pasmanda Muslims, I think the BJP tried uh, as a precursor to that um, did, there was a massive outreach to Muslim women, which was the triple talak vote, right? Yeah. Um, the, the Prime Minister made a big deal about it. An amendment was passed. Um, uh, it was very much part of the BJP messaging. The idea was, did it lead to large numbers of Muslim women voting for BJP? I don't think so. Um, mm. Right? Um, because there is no question. The election data shows us. Um, all the post-poll surveys show us. You look at any agency. That Muslim votes, Muslim vote is for the party which can defeat the BJP. Right? right? Uh, the CSDS data in 2022 showed us that about 5% of Muslims voted for BJP. Oh, no, sorry, about 8% uh, is what the CSDS data showed us in UP. Now, 8% is is, is, is a small number, but it is more than what, what I thought would, would, would be correct. I thought it would be lower. What is this 8% being driven by welfare? I think it's been driven by welfare. Uh, some right. of it has been driven by women. So, earlier, what used to happen was that even though Muslim women may not have been voting, a lot of people would say, Koshish thi. now I think something has shifted. So, I did a dipstick survey um, in some villages hmm. and then I looked at the data overall. What we found was, and that's what comes back to the PASMANDA Muslim point the areas that I went to in UP, most of them were scheduled caste dominant or Muslim dominant. And right. uh, when you ask the BJP leaders, I ask many BJP leaders about this question, they'll say sapka saath, sapka they'll say, you know, what we are doing is, um, and in the quest scheme, point of Muslim, in the point mm. of welfare schemes, I think that is borne out. The data for Swachh Bharat, for PM of the two schemes that I looked at closely and right. the district surveys that I did in the villages, that showed that and that's in the book. Um, um, the, uh, the, the share uh, of... Of Muslim beneficiaries in PM Awas Yojana and Swaj Bharat is roughly commensurate to the share of the population. So I don't think that's a problem. But is that enough? Uh, uh, it may not be enough. When in the age right. of bulldozer politics, in the age of, um, uh, uh, rep- uh, of, of greater representation, um, uh, you, if you if you have large numbers of your citizenry feeling insecure, that mm. that is not a very healthy thing. So it is a challenge for the BJP. The outreach to Pasmanda Muslims, I think, is a very significant one, because now, again, it, we'll see how it plays out. Um, there are, and you would, um, I think there there are Muslim scholars who would know this far better than I would. But my understanding is, broadly speaking, there are three kinds of Muslims. If you uh, break it down by caste or social origin, there are the Ashrafs, uh, very loosely speaking, uh, um, Nobles, Um uh, of or, or uh, descendants of uh, um, the Muslim elites who came to India um, or, or the upper caste elites from India who convert from, from the Hindus who converted to Islam right. um, to some extent. So sayyids Pathans, um, you know, those kinds of categories. Then there are the Ajlafs, loosely speaking, what is analogous to the backward classes. Arzals, um, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this the correct way, uh, were Dalits. There have been huge debates from the Mandal Commission onwards whether uh, originally about whether reservation should be extended to the backwards right. among Muslims and the Dalits among Muslims or not, and it was extended eventually. So, um, uh, for example, Gachi Muslims in Gujarat were made part of the OBC list in the 90s, early 90s. Gachi right. yeah. Hindus uh, in Gujarat uh, uh, became uh, were given reservation as OBCs ten years later in the late 90s. Right, right? now. Um, the Sachar committee in 2004-05 counted roughly around 40% of Muslims as Pasmanda Muslims. Pasmanda Muslims are basically the ajlavs and the results ar- put together, right? There are the non-elites among the Muslims, fundamentally. Now, I think there is a sense or the calculation for the BJP would be, is uh, I, in my understanding would be, that if you are going to make bridges with Muslim communities or if you are going to start increasing that 8% into... 10 percent, 15 percent, 20 percent. You only have to break off, and I'm talking here only politically, right? I'm not making an intellectual point or about what ought to be or what not to be. Right? Is that if you want to go up to say 5 percent, 5 percent increase or 10 percent or 15 percent increase, um, the dominant discourse is run by elites. The elites will not come with you anyway because of because because of the polarization. But there are many who have benefited from social schemes. Now there you may have an opportunity, just as the way some Muslim women may may decide to vote for you because of the triple talaq thing, right? Um, how many of those actually are the case? I don't know. I mean, there's no scientific study of this. Now, if you reach out to Pasmanda Muslims and there are many Pasmanda Muslim leaders who have welcomed this and who've said this, how will this translate onto the ground? Is anybody's guess. It's very early days on this. I think it has to be tested on the ground. But this is a very interesting outreach. Um, <laughs> Do you think there'll be a backlash from its core Hindutva vote? Could be. Uh, I, I think um, in the uh, case of Nupur Sharma, there has been some backlash. Right. Uh, for example, if that is something to go by, hmm. uh, um, there has... Um, the Gyan Vyapi Mosque tensions have, at least the public temperature has gone down a little bit in the last right. month or so. so it's very, very true. But on the Nupur Sharma case, um, I think um, if you look at if you look at just Twitter alone, and that's not the best way of deciding what's happening, but um, the uh, there has been a backlash by the extreme right. Uh, again, I think the BJP was saying.
0: attacked for not being right enough, which is quite rare. But on Nupur Sharma, that's what happened.
1: Exactly. Uh, so there right. were two critiques on the Nupur Sharma thing. One was that um, for those who opposed her being thrown out, was that well, she didn't say anything wrong. Uh, She may have said it in an angry manner. She may have reacted. The context was, but the, and I'm only paraphrasing those who were saying it, right? I'm uh, that that Islamic scholars accept what she said, and therefore it was, was, uh, there was nothing factually wrong in what she said. That completely ignored the context of that debate. Um, uh, uh, And the fact uh, that many people would see that deeply disrespectful, which is why the BJP, which is why many countries. Something
0: like that might happen with Pasmandas too, that it might get
1: outflanked on the right. Mm I think there's a lesser chance of that uh, of that happening, but that risk remains, and which is exactly why, when in a polarized atmosphere, the more polarized things get, the more difficult it is to bring the temperatures down. So it's a challenge, right. uh, and I think right. it, it is really how you negotiate it is where the skill is, uh, and there are many ifs and buts in that. So, but it's a it's a fascinating um, political act to watch, I think, and to track and to see how this evolves. It could go either way, but I think it's it's a it's a Um, it's a good beginning where it goes, you know, we have to see the final question
0: that I want to uh, lay down for you, Nalin, is the other challenge along with uh, you know, religion and caste for the BJP is very often state identity, so last year uh, when it fought the Bengal elections it's very interesting that Trinamool uh, brought up Bengali identity as a sort of counter to Hindutva And it was wildly successful. The BJP was successfully painted as an outsider. So a lot of the BJP's uh, algorithms, which worked so beautifully in UP, kind of failed in West Bengal against, you know, led by this. uh, I mean, there were obviously many factors, but it couldn't get in this, you know, uh, you know, completely vertical Hindu vote. Many Hindu Bengalis voted for the Trinamool. Uh, and so on and so forth. And this is, this is, you know, as you've written, this is, this is a, this is a barrier that is facing the South too, with the exception of Karnataka. The BJP yeah. o- very often goes up against this, 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 this wall of, of, of state identity. Tamil say that the you know, BJP is, you know, North Indian, uh, uh, North Indian party, and so on and so forth. Is that I, one of the interesting things I find here is that this is not just an intellectual point. Um, if you look at data, BJP does perform better when the conversation is national in federal elections and Lok Sabha elections compared to state elections. In fact, as as things get more local, the BJP becomes relatively weaker. It's obviously, very very strong. It is the central pole of Indian politics, but it becomes weaker. Like you know, it's it's much easier to predict a national election where the BJP is going to do well than a state election. Unpack that. For us, what what are the what are the, what is the thinking? What is the what is the debate in the BJP around state identity? How is it looking to get around
1: this? I think you're absolutely right. Um, if one of the key pillars of the BJP's rise uh, in its ideologically and for its supporters, apart from everything else, is nationalism, is this idea of a muscular Hindu as well? Um, but nas- but nationalism. And um, uh, often, you know, gets beaten by sub regional identity, you are right, um, and to, and for context, um, um, if you look at, say, Odisha or West Bengal, in Odisha, in 2019, the BJP's vote share went up from 21.5% in, in 2014 to 38.4%, um, and it won significant number of Lok Sabha seats. But at the same time, in a simultaneous Vidhan Sabha election, Naveen Patnayak won. BJP lost.
0: Right.
1: right? In Bengal, um, in, the, in 2014, uh, the BJP had 16.8% of the vote. In uh, 2019, it had over 40% of the vote. Uh, 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 right. And it won a significant number of seats. But then, when the state election happened, the same thing happened. Mamata Banerjee swept. Right. right. So, you are right. See… If if you have different kind of state, there are four kinds of states in India, um, there is a states where there is a straight BJP Congress contest. In those states, the decline of the Congress, the BJP has a direct advantage. Um, the waning Congress BJP state level and national level. Um, nationally, the BJP is an advantage state level. There is still some older dynamic happening, but a weakening Congress is is getting more and more weaker. In states where there are strong regional satraps. And Naveen Patnaik, the way he deals with the BJP is very different in the way the Mamata Banerjee deals with it. But in both cases, the common factor is that they've been able to hold their own, at least in state-level contests, if not in national-level contests. Now, um, however, I'll add one more factor to the contest, which is that in the Northeast, the, see, the BJP it was always seen as a Hindi-speaking Hindi Hindutva party. But in the Northeast… The BJP is now in in power in most states. It has won Assam twice with a very large Muslim population. It is either in power directly or in alliance with others as a senior partner or a junior partner in almost every north, in, north state. In states where Christian populations are as as 80 percent, 90 percent, where uh, where the the uh, beef eating states, um, right? So um, uh, where the where the debate around beef is totally different from. Where, how it is in the art land, uh, I think that's a better way of putting it. But so the BJP at the state level is often very different from the dominant narrative of the BJP, as what we see it is. A BJP is a multi layered political animal, right. if you like. Now, um, you mentioned Karnataka. One of the reasons why, south of the Vindhyas, the BJP has never been strong. One of the reasons why Karnataka is the one state where the BJP became uh, formed its first government. Currently, uh, has a government, um, and uh, is because not because of Hindutva originally, but because of Lingayat, because of the caste factor. Because Lingayats, Karnataka politics was dominated by Lingayats and Bokalegas. The Lingayat vote vote shifted to the BJP over the uh, from the nineties onwards. Um, number one, number two. Um, the, Jant, the Janta Dal and what became JDS later, that fundamentally uh, that was an alliance with the BJP, which was basically the anti-Congress vote. Well, were, Congress was the primary poll. The anti-Congress vote was run by by uh, by what was the the offshoot of the of the Janta movement to Ramakrishna Hegde and others. Fundamentally, over the nineties, what happened was the BJP aligned with them, and many of them which had a party structure. Many of the Janata leaders, they had a party structure, the district level. Many of them defected to the BJP. There are significant numbers of the BJP. There are two kinds of BJP leaders in Karnataka. There are those who are the original um, leaders of the BJP from the beginning when BJP meant nothing. In that state, fundamentally from a Sangh Parivar background, from a Hindutva background. And then there is a very strong fulcrum that came from the Low Aid movement, from the Janata party, which Mm. then defected to the BJP. And they are very senior leaders in the BJP, including, including, and they've been in the last government, the deputy chief minister was one of those. In fact, Uh, as you uh, write in your book, one
0: of it faced less resistance. Also because Karnataka is a very unusual linguistic state, right?
1: Yeah. It's very, very, right. Uh, Thanks for uh, raising that. Sure. That's a very important point. See, uh, and by the way, and this goes to the original question you asked Right. in the last Karnataka election, um siddaramayya raised this point he talked about he, he portrayed the bjp as the ancient invaders from north india who right. he talked about pulkesin II, uh, and he, uh you know he he, disf- he portrayed himself as uh, as the chalukya king pulkesin two uh, you know who defeated the north indian emperor harsha and he talked about uh, you know this old narrative of north indian invaders coming in and so on right. that did not work in karnataka hmm. fundamentally because see karnataka is not a hmm. linguistic state in a way that Kerala is or Tamil Nadu is. Tamil Nadu has a long history, has a deep history of, of Dravidian uh, nationalism. It has a deep history right. of, of Tamil culture and identity. Uh, Kerala is a Malayali speaking state. Um, but in uh, it, it, you know, it has a lineage from Travancore and so on. Karnataka is the most multilingual state in India. Uh, apart from Kannada, there are five languages spoken in Karnataka in significant mm. numbers. The second most pop- uh, most spoken language according to census in, in Karnataka after Kannada is Urdu. Mm. After that, you've got a Marathi-speaking Karnataka. Then you've got a mm. Tamil-speaking Karnataka. So, issues, ra- regional language uh, nas- sub-nationalism is often deeply linked with language. So, Bengali identity is, deeply, is significantly about the Bengali language or linked to it. Uh, In Karnataka, those concerns do not resonate to the extent they do in other states. So, therefore, I think Karnataka is different. However, to take your question a bit forward, in Telangana now, what's happening in these states is, I think Telangana is a state where BJP is making good advances. Um, The reason for that is that, unlike in the north, where the BJP is now the party of the establishment or the new establishment, in in these states whether it is west bengal whether it is odisha whether it is telangana where the bjp has replaced either the congress or another party or a combination of both those parties as to become the second pole of the polity right in those states it is emerging as the anti establishment party right. so anybody now if you what does that mean now you have a government of trs in telangana That is now in its second term, uh, right? Uh, Anybody who is opposed to that government has no option but to be with the BJP because the Congress has disappeared in Telangana. If if the Congress had been strong, people would have had two options. But if you're an ambitious politician looking to go up, where do you go? The only option is BJP. A good example is recently a very senior cabinet minister from TRS quit. He tried to go to the Congress, didn't work with Congresses in flux over right. there. Joined BJP and he won a seat in a stronghold of the TRS in the Lok Sabha election of uh, 2019. The BJP won three, three to four seats in Telangana. Two of them were in TRS strongholds, including in, in 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 including in Karim Nagar and Nizamabad. Right? In fact, that's
0: now, the same big... dynamic that works in Bengal actually. So, because yeah. the CPM could not oppose the Trinamool, so very often people who were anti Trinamool. Uh, got on to the BJP. I'm going to stop this fascinating discussion here, Nalin, because we're really out of time. I'm, I'm sure we can uh, we can go on and on about this. If anybody's really interested in deep diving into this, I would really recommend Nalin's book, The New BJP. Uh, give it a shot. It's It's got a lot of data. It's got a lot of information. It's got a lot of uh, geeky stuff that uh, political nerds could uh, dive into. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on Scroll It was a pleasure chatting. It was a, it was a, it was, it was lovely.
1: Thank you very and much, Shoaib. Uh, um, you said before we started, before we went on air, that uh, that let's make it a nerdy conversation, and nerd <laughs> being nerdy is good. And loved having this chat. And thank you for the time.
0: Right. Thank you so much, Nalin. I think we really, we really hit the nerd meter here. Thank exactly. you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for watching and listening, viewers. Bye bye.